0: You take your Bibles and turn to uh, 1 Samuel 18. We'll dismiss our kids for Sunday school this morning. We'll dismiss our young folks for Sunday school. Brother Bonnie, you're not a kid. If you need a Sunday school lesson, though, Brother Bonnie, is there Sunday school lessons back there? It may not be. I'm not sure. They may have disappeared. Okay. Uh, we're going to finish out lesson number 11 this morning, the journey to Zion. First. Samuel. Samuel chapter 18, if you'll turn there, we saw some difficulties in David's life the last couple of weeks, and this morning, we're going to look at some victory. You know, we we don't like difficulty, we don't like struggle, uh, but the blessing is knowing the Lord Jesus Christ, and we know that we are, the Bible says, more than conquerors, and that's a wonderful thing that we can know. And we see it played out on the pages of Scripture, and God reveals it in David's life here. Uh, well, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, And it came to pass, when he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would let him go no more home to his father's house. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant, because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him, and gave it to David. And his garments, even to his sword, and to his bow, and to his girdle. And David went out whithersoever Saul sent him, and behaved himself wisely. And Saul set him over the men of war, and he was accepted in the sight of all the people, and in the sight of Saul's servants And it came to pass as they came when David was returned from the slaughter of the Philistine that the women came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet the king Saul with tabrets, with joy, and with instruments of music. And the women answered one another as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very wroth and the saying displeased him. And he said, They have ascribed unto David ten thousands. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands, and what can he have more than the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day forward. And let's pray, Lord, we thank you for what you did in David's life. Lord, I pray you'd help us today to be encouraged. Help us to receive truth that we can apply today, this week, Lord. Lord, I pray that our walk of faith. Lord, would truly be a growing walk. God, help us as we (coughs) struggle, Lord, in wanting to walk by sight. Lord, to learn to trust you. Lord, help us in the difficult times. Help us to see the victory that you have for us. Uh, Lord, help me to teach you right your truth this morning. Lord, would you minister to the hearts of the hearers today. Uh, Lord, be with those gathered here, those that are not able to be here in person those connected with us online as well, Lord, I pray that you'd meet their needs as well. God, may you be glorified in your precious name. We pray, Amen. We spent two weeks ago looking at point number one in your notes. If you wonder, if you missed this, David's great trial and the great trial that David faced in the early part of, if you let me use this phrase, and I think I can use it correctly, in the early part of David's ministry. And understand David ministered to the Lord as he ministered to the nation of Israel. And David, early on in his ministry for the Lord, uh, had a relentless pursuit of Saul the king wanting to kill him. Now, the Bible tells us that Saul, that David came... And he formed a bond with Jonathan. And Jonathan basically took his robe, his sword, his bow, put it on David. In other words, Jonathan was saying to David, David, I give you my position. Jonathan recognized that David was to be the king. However, his father Saul did not recognize, nor did he want that to be the case. And it was not that he was jealous that David would take Jonathan's throne. He was jealous that David would take his throne. And he began to try to kill David, and it was not a uh, just a, a half-hearted attempt. It was a very much he was trying to kill him. We see David's great trial here as Saul was trying to take his life. Now, we know the reason for the trial, letter A... The reason for the trial was that Saul had become jealous. Saul heard them sing the praises of David higher than they sang the praises of King Saul. And he said, David, everybody loves him. The men follow him. Uh, He's mighty in battle. He has the hearts of the women. The nation wants to rally around him. He has everything except the kingdom, and that's what he's going to get. So Saul wanted to kill him. Imagine if you're in David's place. Saul said, no, you stay here. You don't go home. You live in the palace. You come in and out. You do, you're here. Now he tries to kill him. David's in a serious situation. It was a difficult trial. It was a trial that no doubt was a fight for his life. Christian, be careful. Be careful that we don't look with the eyes and the vision that Saul looked at David. Don't allow yourself to look and say, well, they like him more, or she's more valuable, or he's more popular, or that person is elevated higher. It causes a root of bitterness to spring up in our heart. That root of bitterness in Saul's heart caused him to be murderous towards David. And we see the reason for that trial. And we see, letter B, we gave this to you a couple weeks ago, we see the response, the response to the trial. Because of Saul's jealousy, David had to flee. David knew it would be wrong for him to kill the king. Now, I believe David could have done that. I believe had David fought back against the king, probably the nation of Israel would have rallied around him, but it wasn't right in the eyes of God. We've gotten away from understanding that there is that which is right and that which is wrong. We're in a culture today where this is right and this might be wrong, but if nobody knows or if this situation happens, it's right. Oh, no, there's right and wrong. And David knew that it was wrong for him to fight against the king. So what did he do? He fled. He said, but Pastor, didn't that make him look like a coward? Didn't that make him look like a chicken? I mean, he was the mighty David who slew Goliath. Now he's running. So what? It made him look like a man who obeyed the Lord. But David fled. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 19.10, Saul sought to smite David, even to the wall with the javelin. But he slipped away out of Saul's presence, and he smote the javelin into the wall where David fled and escaped that night. David would eventually find find himself not in a comfortable home, but in a cave Wednesday night. I left here after the service, and I drove to Medicine Hat, Alberta. And it was a long drive in the dark, and uh, nasty roads, I got there, and I got to Medicine Hat about 3.30 in the morning. And we drove, got to, we went to a heated garage. It was Brandon, the fellow with me, his dad's garage. and We were gonna sit down in there, have a nap and a chair, and then we were going to an hour and a half, get, start getting things ready and go out hunting Thursday morning. And I sat down in a chair, and I had been driving, and, of course, I've got bad knees, and my foot, of course, is still not 100%. And Brother Gerald, I started walking around in there. There wasn't a lot of room. There was a vehicle in there, and I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And in the front of that garage shop, there's this long table, eight feet long, and it's got a butcher block or actually a, a cutting board top on it. It's about this wide, eight feet long. And it's the place where his dad uh, processes uh, game and cuts up animals. And I looked at Brandon and I said, I'm sleeping right there. He laughed. I took a coat. I laid the coat up there on that, on that butchering table. And uh, Like the sacrificial lamb, I laid myself on the, on the altar, and I laid there, and he said that I wasn't even fully laid down before the snoring began to happen. Now, I did get some rest for about an hour and a half, but it wasn't the greatest rest I've ever had. That night, when we got back to his grandfather's home, beautiful home on a golf course, and I went and got in a very comfortable bed. And I laid on those pillows. Oh, now that was comfortable. Uh, I got a lot more rest. Can I tell you, David was not resting in the uh, Sheridan Suites. He was not resting in uh, the Chateau Louis. He was resting in a cave as he was hiding from King Saul. And while he was there in that cave, resting and hiding, David became discouraged. Can I tell you that would be pretty discouraging? Imagine a few weeks before the nation is singing your praises. As you're coming into town, they're cheering you, they're carrying you on your shoulders. Now he's gone from that to a cold, dark cave hiding. Wondering if any minute Saul's going to show up. That'd be pretty discouraging. Christian? You may not be hiding in the cave from someone trying to kill you, but many of us, we end up in the cave of discouragement. We end up despondent. We end up looking back at the way things used to be and looking at the way things are now and wishing things were not as they were. David encouraged himself in the Lord. He encouraged himself. He had, letter C, David had rest. In the trial. In the middle of the trial, David had some allies. He had Jonathan. He had his wife, David's wife. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stone in him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that you may be able to bear it. David's response in the trial led him to a place of rest. It's a wonderful thing when we can rest, knowing that we have obeyed God, knowing that God has that purpose for us and that we're in that place. Now, let's change gears a bit here. Number two in your notes, and we looked at this last week, it was our subject last Sunday, we see David's great temptation. We see his trial, and David went through a trial, David dealt with Saul trying to kill him and David responded well and he ended up in God's rest. But David also, we see, had great temptation. After King Saul was killed in battle, by the way, David didn't kill him. Saul was killed in battle. David eventually would wear the crown. David eventually would sit on the throne as the king. And David would be a wonderful king, a godly king, David, the great warrior king of Israel that fought many battles and led the nation of Israel to great victories. But the Bible says that in the midst of his being a good, godly king, a great leader, a servant of the Lord, a servant to the nation of Israel as he served the Lord. The Bible tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 5. So all the elders of Israel came to the king, to Hebron. And King David made a league with them in Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. David, as a 30-year-old man, not a young shepherd boy anymore, 30 years old, would wear the crown. Now, David had fought many battles. After being king for a while, they had been victorious. They had a, a great kingdom. But it tells us in chapter 11 of 2 Samuel. And it came to pass after the year was expired. At the time when kings go forth to battle, the David sent Joab and the servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David tarried still at Jerusalem. Now stop there for a moment. The Bible says it was the time when the kings go forth to battle. But David didn't. David had gotten comfortable in being king. David had great men around him. David had great leadership. And David said to Joab, Joab, you go. And all the other men, you go. David stayed. Look what happened. It says in verse number 2, and it came to pass in an eventide that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness. And she returned unto her house And the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I am with child. We see David's temptation. David, no doubt, was tempted when Saul was trying to kill him to say, who do you think you are trying to kill me? I could kill you, buddy. I could take your life. No doubt there was that temptation. There was a temptation to say, They're singing my praises. Jonathan has given me authority here. He's given me his position. You can't talk to me like that. You can't try to kill me. But David responded well, although there was have been the temptation to respond wrongly. But we see letter A in your notes. We see David's laps. David's laps. You watch a boxing match. You watch a boxer that has his guard up. A good boxer is, is good at guarding those shots. But every once in a while, you'll watch a boxer who is good at keeping from being hit and guarding eventually lets his guard down, maybe to try to make a punch, maybe to faint, and that guard come down just long enough for David. The devil got a shot. David's lapse. David was tempted. David tarried still at Jerusalem. David was out of the way of duty. When we get out of the way of duty, we often get into the way of temptation. Well, that's not to say here that we, our lives have to be 100% every hour, every second of every day uh, in service. But understand Everything we do outside of service ought to be pointing us and leading us and refreshing us to better serve. David here was out of the way of service, and he put himself in the way of temptation. David got up in the middle of the night. He went on top of his roof. Can I tell you that Bathsheba was not an exhibitionist? Bathsheba was not trying to tempt the king. Bathsheba was not doing something that was lewd and uh, disgusting, rather in the middle of the night. She was bathing herself where no one could see her, but David went to a place where he could. David left the place of service and went to the place of temptation. We see that here, David's lapse. Also, we see David's lust, number two, or letter B. Idleness, Matthew Henry said, idleness gives great advantage to the tempter. Standing waters gather filth. The bed of sloth often proves the bed of lust. There were some stages to that horrible event, and you have, uh, I believe, printed there in your notes uh, some of those stages. You see his look. Number one, David saw a woman washing herself. Sin came to David Through the eye gate, David saw what he should not have seen. He was tempted just as Eve was tempted, just as Achan was tempted by what he saw. We see his look. We see his look led to lust. Chapter 11 of 2 Samuel says in verse 3, and David sent and inquired after the woman. He didn't just look. He said, "I, I want her. I rarely ever eat fast food. I think fast food is disgusting. Uh, I will readily admit that. It's disgusting. You're not going to change my opinion of that. As I get older, the more disgusting it becomes to me. But I went yesterday because it was convenient. I went to Burger King. And I walked into Burger King, and I was trying to decide what I was going to get. And I just, they had a special I'm cheap by the way uh, when I go anywhere I look for the deals and they had a special two sandwiches for eight dollars these three four five whatever it was sandwiches and I haven't been at Burger King in, I bet I haven't been inside of a Burger King in two years and the sandwiches they had on the menu i didn't even I didn't even know what they were there was a uh, the king, Big king quarter pounder, you ever heard of that before? I'd never heard of such a thing. And I'm like, well, that looks pretty good. By the way, it's nothing more than whopper without vegetables. But I, I saw that, and, uh, and then I saw they had, I remember years ago, my wife and I, back when we were in college, they used to have them two f- uh, for a dollar. This is back in the 90s. Those chicken sandwiches, the original chicken sandwiches, used to be able to get them for a dollar once in a while. And they had this original chicken sandwich, I saw the picture, with marinara sauce, Miss Lois, and mozzarella cheese. I thought, man, like a chicken parmesan sandwich. Uh, I looked at that, and I'm like, I'll take one of those. And I'll take one of those big king quarter pounders. And I went out to my car. I got the bag, went, sat down, opened it, opened the chicken sandwich, took a bite. And they gave me the wrong sandwich. My brother, Ramon, I had a chicken sandwich. I should have been content. I should have just said, ah, they, they messed up. I'll eat it. That's not what I did. I got out of my car. I walked inside. I said, hey. I pointed to the picture. I ordered that sandwich right there. I said, I don't know what this is, but this is not what I wanted. You know why? I wanted that marinara sauce. I wanted that mozzarella cheese that probably wasn't even real cheese. Uh, I, I, because I wanted it. I saw it. I thought it looks pretty good. And it was mediocre at best. But I, it looked good. I it made me want it. Can I tell you, David saw something and he wanted it. He lusted after her. Often we want to retreat from a spiritual battle. We want a reprieve from the war that rages. And we forget that the battle will always find us. Better to be weary in the battle than to become apathetic, to be caught off guard. David lusted. We see his lust, we also see his pride. Number three, yeah, printed there in your notes. Through pride and deceit, David attempted to hide his sin. You know the story. He brought Uriah home. He said, Here, you know, spend the night with your wife, enjoy, enjoy some time away from the front. And Uriah said, I can't do that while my men lay on the battlefield. And that didn't work. David's like, Okay, now what do I do? So what he did is he had Uriah killed. Can I tell you that it was David's pride? Now, his pride started when he said, hey, who's that woman? You understand David had to go get one of his servants, bring him up and point down to the naked woman and say, hey, who's that? And when they said, hey, isn't that Uriah, the Hittite's wife? He says, yeah, okay, you go get her for me. Imagine that. I mean, it wasn't David. Stealthily sneaking alone to to a secret midnight rendezvous with Bathsheba. There were lots of folks involved in this sin. That David, his pride led into. Then he murdered Uriah. We see David's pride coming up very strong. David received the message that Uriah was dead. And he married Bathsheba. But the man who was once known as a man after God's own heart... Was now a man who grieved the heart of God. He grieved the heart of God. 2 Samuel chapter 11 says in verse 26 And when Uriah, the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. When the mourning was past, David sent and fetched her into his house, and she became his wife and bare him a son. And the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Christian. When we disobey the Lord, we displease Him. Our sin, no matter what flavor of sin it is, by the way, can I tell you, most of the time, our flavor of sin doesn't seem as repulsive as someone else's flavor of sin. We look at someone else, I look at all of Lois's sin, and boy, that's a lot of sin. I don't have time to talk about it today. Maybe next, next year we'll do a 12 week series. But I look at Miss Lois's and all, that's repulsive, that's horrible. But my sin's okay. Can I tell you that our sin is repulsive to God? David dishonored the Lord. David did a lot of things. Can I tell you what happened? David had some great losses. The Bible says, whatever a man sows, that he also reaps. I grew up on a farm. I know what it is to to prepare the soil and plant the seed and Harvest a crop. Never one time I've planted bean seeds and picked watermelons from bean seed plants. Never once. I've never once put corn seed in the ground and picked peas off corn plants. You reap what you sow. David reaped some great losses. (coughs) Here, the greatest loss was his fellowship with God, a separation of that fellowship. But we had the death of that baby conceived in sin. We had Amnon. We find Amnon, David's son, rapes Tamar in 2 Samuel 13. Then Amnon is killed by Absalom after that happened. Then Absalom is killed by Joab. And then Amasa, that's David's nephew, was killed by Joab. Death after death after death after loss after death as a result of sin. Sin always brings pain. Sin always brings death. But the worst of it all, and David said to God against the only have I sinned, was his relationship with his God. David, the man after God's own heart, had hurt the heart of God. But I love this. And this is our message this morning, and I'm glad that we don't have to end here. I'm glad we don't have to end with all the funerals of all the folks that died because of David's sin. How sad that is. How broken that is. But number three... In your notes, we see lastly today David's triumph. Though David suffered immensely, and he did suffer, he reaped what he sowed. Because of his sin, he was able to experience triumph once again. God gives record of this portion of David's journey Remember, we're talking about our journey of faith, and all of us find ourselves on this road, or we find ourselves at the junction to this road. As we see David's journey of faith in 2 Samuel chapter 12, and I believe you have printed there in your notes, we'll look at it in just a moment. I'll read for you. I don't think you have printed. But we see letter A. Letter A in David's triumph, where did it start? It started with a righteous confrontation. A righteous confrontation. God sent the prophet Nathan. By the way, Samuel passed off the scene. The prophet Nathan came to David and said to David, David, if a man have one sheep and another man has a bunch of sheep and the man that has a bunch of sheep goes and takes the man's sheep that only has one sheep, what should be done to him? David grew up as a shepherd. David have a, had a love for the sheep. David was angry as he thought of somebody taking someone else's sheep that only had one sheep. And he said, I, man, I'd do horrible things to him. As the prophet Nathan stuck his finger in the face of the king. Not just a regular person. This is We're talking about the most powerful person in all the land. And he said, David, thou art the man. That's what you've done. In 2 Samuel 12, verse 1, it says, The Lord sent Nathan to David. And he came unto him and said unto him, There were two men in one city, the one rich, the other poor. The rich man had exceeding many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing save one little ewe lamb.'" Which he had bought and nourished up, and grew up together with him and his children. It did eat of his own meat, and drank of his own cup, and lay in his bosom. And it was unto him as a daughter. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and spared to take his own flock, and of the herd, to dress for the wayfaring man that was coming to him, but took the poor man's lamb, and dressed it for the man that was come to him. And David's anger was greatly kindled against the man, and said to Nathan, As the Lord liveth, the man that hath done this thing shall surely die. And he shall restore the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and because he had no pity. And Nathan proceeds to tell David he is the man. Verse 7, it says, And Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel. And I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom. And gave thee the house of Israel of Judah. And that had been too little. I would moreover have given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore thou hast despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight, and thou hast killed Jariah the Hittite with a sword, and hast taken his wife to be their wife, and thou hast slain him with a sword of the children of Ammon. Can I tell you that was not a comfortable meeting? Can you imagine being there when the prophet stuck his finger and said, You are the man. David probably wanted to kill him. David probably wanted to make him go away. David probably said, "I got to cover my sin here. I got to I got to make sure that Nathan doesn't tell anybody this. I got to threaten him. I got to kill him. I got to do whatever." It would have been very uncomfortable. I'm sure David could have said, "How dare you? How dare you accuse me the king?" But I praise God. That there was that righteous confrontation, and the only way David made it to victory, the only way David found victory again in his relationship with God, was that from that righteous confrontation, it came number two, or letter B, to a real confession. A real confession. The Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 12, And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord, and Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin, thou shalt not die. Howbeit because of this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. Nathan exposed the king's sin, called for his repentance, and with a broken heart. With a broken heart, David confessed. David repented and sought God's restoration. And I love the passage that God gives us in Psalm 51. You have printed on the back page your notes there. Psalm 51, verse 3 through 4. The words of David's prayer to his God. For I acknowledge my transgression. By the way, the word transgression is a word that we would use today for trespassing. On Friday evening or Friday afternoon, I walked down on this farm. We were hunting and walked down these coolies and draws and trying to find a deer that I wanted to shoot and I saw a good one. I got a picture of him actually. That's all I have is a picture to remember him by. And we saw him and I, I said, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot him. And it was a long shot, and he wasn't looking at us, he wasn't scared, so we decided we were gonna try to go down and around and up and over this other hill and try to get from a different angle to get a closer shot. And so we did. And it was successful. We got where we needed to be. I got on my hands and knees. I crawled in the snow. On this little knoll, I got up there, I got my binoculars, I looked, and he's still there, and I thought, oh, yeah, he's mine. He had no idea I was there. Majestic, beautiful deer. I got my shooting sticks out, I got my gun, I just got settled in, and as I'm settling in looking, I looked, and about 75 yards below the deer was a fence line. That fence was a boundary of a property. I had permission on this side of the fence. Hundreds of acres of property. Brother Mike, I didn't have permission on that side of the fence. So instead of shooting my deer and taking him home, I put my gun back on my shoulder. I got my phone out and I shot him with my phone. You know why? Had I killed him, I would have been trespassing. This word we find here, David acknowledging his transgressions. David acknowledges that he crossed God's border of good, God's border of sin. David had stepped across the boundary where David did not belong, and he did not have God's permission. He had trespassed against God. David here confessed a real confession. He trespassed against God. It goes on in verse 4. David said, against thee. The only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Before David could find victory again before David could find the place of that close relationship with his God. And David had to confess. I believe there was more confession that happened afterwards. I believe after David's confession to God, I believe David had to go to those men that he said, hey, who's that? Hey, go get her, bring her to me. Hey, you, you go send this message and, and deal. bring Uriah home. All the people involved. By the way, when we sin, we... Our sin affects a lot of people. David had to go, I believe, after David went to God here in confession, I believe David had to go and deal with all those people and confess what had happened and make it right. But first and foremost, before anything could happen, David had to confess to his God. David here made it right with God. David confessed. Let her see, and we'll close with this off this morning. We see a restored kingdom. What did David say to Nathan? Kill him. Whoever did that, whoever's guilty of what you said, if that's true, he needs to die. What did Nathan say to David? It's you. But then he said, your life's gonna be spared. We see a restored kingdom. God preserved David's life. Was David worthy of death? Sure he was. By the way, so are we. So are we. I'm guilty. I'm not worthy of life. I'm not worthy of blessing. I'm not worthy of victory. Nor was David. Yet yeah, God restored the kingdom. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1, and David spake unto the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord had delivered him out of the hand of all his enemies and out of the hand of Saul. And he said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress and my deliverer. The God of my rock in him will I trust. He's my shield and the horn of my salvation, my tower, my refuge, my savior that saveth me from violence. I will call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from Mine, enemies. There's a three-word, quickly as we close, a three-word summary. A three-word summary of David's journey to Zion. Trial. The trial was with Saul, King Saul. Temptation of Bathsheba. The third word, triumph. And can I tell you, triumph only came through repentance. Only came through repentance. Repentance may we learn in all of our trials and of all of our temptations to flee and to run to our God, the God of our salvation, to seek him, to seek his face, to run to him. For it's only when we run to him that we find that place of triumph and victory in our walk of faith as we seek to serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the challenge that we see in the life of David. A man who was after you in heart, but also a man who failed. A man whose relationship with you was broken. Lord, a man who had to bow his knee and pray, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, I'm thankful today that I can't lose my salvation, my eternal life as a Christian. I'm thankful that you keep your word. Lord, I know that many times we lose our joy. Sin causes us to lose the joy of your salvation. Temptation that leads to lust, that leads to sin, often leads to our joy being removed, our sweet fellowship being separated. God, help us to be confronted by your word, by your truth, when we need it. God, help us not to run from conviction, but God, help us to repent. God, help us to run to you. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you. God, bless us in our service to come. Lord, may you be glorified. Lord, as well, I pray for our children's church service. Lord, just be in every aspect of our ministry today. May you be glorified.